Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. God bless you guys. God bless the world, buddy. Let's go racing. It's episode 22 of the Loud Pedal Podcast as we come to you from uh, wintry Allegan, Michigan here uh, on the uh, western side of the state of Michigan and then from Daytona Beach, Florida where Dylan Welch is outside in the breeze near the ocean from the shores of Daytona Beach. What's up, D. Welch? What's up, buddy? How you doing? Living the dream, as they say. Did you enjoy the clash? Uh, I... Won a little bit of money on DraftKings, not very much. Yeah, it was entertaining right there at the end, no doubt about that. It was, uh, you know, I think if you're going to draw it up, that's probably how you want to draw it up. So, probably our boy, our our uh, our now dirt foe and dirt friend Chase Elliott um, took out Ryan Blaney there on the uh, what the final final corner, if you will. That's isn't that the second time Blaney's got wrecked on a roval? Oh no, no. Blaney won the Roval race that Jimmy wrecks somebody or Truex wrecks somebody or whatever. There's yeah. crashes on the last lap every time on that Roval. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, our boy Chase Elliott, who uh, won his first heat race with USAC in Ocala, um, ended up, uh, what, not winning the race in the uh, in the Bush Clash down there. Oh, is it not. called the Bush Clash? It is. The Bush, the Bush Latte Clash. Command. Oh, boy. We met the Bush guy last year. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Old Bush lattes. We're getting ready to find out that today's guest on episode 22 is a Milwaukee sewer water drinker, Miller Lite. My favorite. Of course, we've had this debate on the podcast a lot. Miller Lite. Doug Clark is a Miller Lite drinker. We can confirm that right now. He does. He enjoys them at all hours of the day, apparently. Cracking one open at good 10 a.m., which I'm hey, good, ready to do. Good for, yeah, good for him, though. Why not, right? Trust me. We already know this when – well, I do it now. But uh, when, I, when I'm when i retired and I'm of age of where I don't have to do any work day-to-day, um, you better believe I'm going to be drinking Miller Lights till the sun goes down every night. You were doing that before, before you didn't have responsibilities all day. <laughs> That's what I just said. I know. <laughs> 
if I was in Daytona right now, we'd have a, a production meeting coming up, uh, and I'd be drinking right now, probably. Yeah, probably. <laughs> no, if anybody at Flow is watching this, I do not drink on the job. Uh, don't get me wrong, <laughs> I do. I do not drink on the job. Uh, that's coffee. Um, <laughs> yes, we're going to have Doug Clark on today, um, which I'm super excited about this conversation because Doug is a 2016 National Sprint Car Hall of Fame member, really good guy, um, grew up going to school with Doug Wolfgang, which you're going to find out and hear some cool stories from him uh, in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, which the Dakotas is home to you know big time sprint car racing. Fargo, North Dakota, of course, is where uh, Donnie Schatz come from. You know, Houston is in that area. Uh, so we're going to learn about Doug Clark the history of his career and also his son who has taken over the flagging um, at Knoxville Raceway. Of course, probably the most famous, you know, famous flag stand in all of sprint car racing easily. Right, Dylan? Yeah. And, and Doug's great. You know, it's uh, I think it's a testament to, uh, you know, the kind of person he is and, and, you know, apart from the job that he did, you know, as a, as a phenomenal flag man, you know, the fact that uh, he's in the national sprint car hall of fame as a flag man, uh, is pretty remarkable, you know, so he was a, he was a trailblazer in, in many ways and, um, you know, very, very deserving of his place in the Hall of Fame without a doubt. Yes, and the reason why he's a trailblazer, Dylan, and thank you for mentioning that, um, he was a African-American official flagman in a white man's sport. I mean, let's be honest, street car racing, racing motorsports in general has typically been a white man's sport and it's starting to evolve and that's what we are here to cover today because that is a cool aspect of this doug even mentions he doesn't even know if he's the first african-american to start flagging in the united states in motorsports he's still trying to figure that out and that would be cool for uh, you know us to maybe help him or, or or figure that out to see if he was because you know we we both were down in the nascar you know industry down there they are there are you know black officials and black crewmen and and black um flagmen now but at the time when he started in the 50s it wasn't the case yeah, I mean, you know, we don't have to tell anybody about what what America was like during that time, you know, let alone, you know, trying to, uh, you know, find employment. You know, it was and you know, I'm sure he, uh, you know, and he talks about it a little bit and, you know, in our discussion with him. But I'm sure he, you know, faced many, you know, many hurdles that he, that he had to overcome in that regard. So, um, you know, the fact that he, you know, one, you know, was was tough enough to, you know, to stick it out through the hard times, you know, I think speaks to you know, the kind of person he is too, that he, uh, you know, he knew enough about himself and what kind of person he was and the job that he was doing and wanted to do that, um, you know, he kind of let that stuff roll off his shoulders. And to me, his legacy continues in the flag stand today with his son, Justin, who is flagging for Knoxville Raceway. Um, Justin has flagged for the past 13 years or so with Doug, uh, helping him. And um, what Doug Clark is known for to me the most, though, Dylan Welch, is massive giant flags he has the biggest flags in all of motorsports right three feet by three feet he says was just huge and um i i don't know how a wing hasn't clipped that over the years or how his shoulder hasn't been blown out because to me i would have to have surgery after waving one of those flags well that's you know the an athletic specimen like yourself you know you probably probably would have to do some training and and that sort of thing but Sure, it's like anything, you know, you, you do it enough, it just kind of becomes muscle memory and, you know, you're all right, you're all right, you do it, you know, do it based off that. Yeah, but it's going to be fun to talk to him, hear stories about Doug Wolfgang, um, crazy, 
you know, moments that he's had in the flag stand where parts and, and pieces and race cars and have been flying and because flagging is dangerous, right? And it's changed. You wear helmets now. You wear fire suits now up in the flag stand. But back in the day, it was probably a jeans and a t-shirt. Let's be honest. That's what racers wear. And standing up in the flag stand, getting pelted with dirt, getting pelted with, uh, you know, parts and pieces flying off race cars. It's dangerous. And he's going to tell us a lot of those stories. All right. Before we get to talking to Doug Clark, let's go into our hat shakes. We had a lot of racing that started um, with the all-star circuit of champions beginning at Screven Motor Speedway, where Donnie Schatz um, picked up one of two wins that he's gotten already this season. Um, we released our power rankings, Dylan Welch. Have you looked at the power rankings? You were on the voter panel. Have you looked at them yet? Uh, I haven't had a chance to, but I did vote. Yes, thank you. I saw your name on the list. Um, you did vote, and I really appreciate that. And um, I've had some people reach out to me, and I mentioned it in the, the promo that I um, introduced and, you know, told us about the uh, the rankings that are coming out on Flow. I said, if you want to be a part of this and, and you think that you're worthy of voting on this panel, get a hold of me. Uh, you know, slide into my DMs or uh, text me or whatever. Uh, but right now our voting panel consists of media members, writers, um, a couple crew members, drivers, um, people from the sanctioning body. So the All-Stars and the World of Outlaws and our winged um, voting panel uh, members from, you know, those organizations are voting in it as well. And as long as, as well as flow racing staff and Dylan and I, um, so it's a good panel. I believe in the panel. It's a really good top 10. You need to check it out. I'm not going to give it away to you. Um, you're going to have to go check it out yourself. Go check out the, the top 10 power rankings on flow racing. Will it be Donnie shots? Will it be Logan Shuhart? Will it be Brad sweet? Who knows? All I know is Logan Shuhart won his first race, finished second, finished second again, and won his fourth race. So in four races, he was one, two, two, one. That's pretty good odds, Dylan Welch. Yeah, that's uh, that's not too bad to start the year off that way. It's some nice mojo. Pretty good mojo for sure. Buddy Kofoid won with the USAC National Midget Series at Bubba Raceway Park to begin the Winter Dirt Games. It was a 24-hour saga. It rained the night before. Um what, they were 13 laps into the, the feature event, 14 laps, somewhere in there. Pulled the cars off the track. We rained out for the night on Friday. We came back on Saturday, raced during the day. Buddy won, and then uh, we rained out Saturday night as well. Dylan Welch. Yep, good times. Florida in February, got to love it. You can't predict the weather in Florida. It's pretty dumb. Then, since the Super Bowl is happening Sunday, um, USAC and Bubba Raceway Park decided to push the event to Monday, which ended up being a pretty good race um, with the winner coming out as Thomas Meserol. Lap traffic played a huge factor in there with Wyndham and Buddy Kofoid chasing him down. But Timez gets his first USAC National Midget um, feature of the year already, on only the second start of the year. Um, the Midgets are going to be a championship that is going to be coveted this year because there are six to seven guys who can easily win that championship. Yeah, it is. I mean, I think, you know, we, we've kind of beat this drum for a couple of years now about how <clears throat> how deep the midget field is, and it just keeps getting better. But, um, you know, I mean, you look at it, and it's it's incredibly stacked this year, you know, and, and you've got you got some guys that are you know, going to be full-time in really, really good equipment. You know, like, I mean, you know, I don't think you have to look any further than, than that RMS deal with, with Team Ez and Grant. You know, I mean, I think they're going to be 
you know, consistently two of the best cars each night. And then you've got, you know, guys like Wyndham and Tanner Thorson and Cannon McIntosh and Buddy. I mean, it's, I mean, it would be, it's hard. It would be hard even for those guys, you know, to run top five, you know, every, every night. I mean, it's just, it's so, you know, so tough at the top, um, you know, and, and the guys are so equal that it's hard to, you know, hard to make any ground up. So you gotta be, you gotta be lights out from, you know, the start of the night uh, at every race. You do, and um, there are some guys like Kevin Thomas Jr. on the first night who blew up in his um, heat race, didn't have time to change the motor because they were rushing to beat rain. He didn't get onto the track for a provisional and the feature, and he now he doesn't have a feature start. Um, he was saying, however, though, when he nearly won the Sprint Car Championship uh, a few years back, uh, he did not run in Florida at all. Like He didn't even show up in the pit area. I think they only lost by 40 points. Uh, it wasn't the Sunshine Courtney one. It was a few years before that, I believe. Uh, he didn't show up in Florida at all. They had a wing program set up. He got fired from the wing program or let go. Um, and if he would have just showed up in Florida, he would have won the championship. So he already has missed a feature in the midgets, which is going to put you behind the eight ball with how competitive the midgets are. Um, but ran, you know, better the next, you know, Monday. Uh, so we'll see what uh, the Petrie and the boys can do over there with Emerson Axum and Kevin Thomas Jr. Uh, tremendous field of race cars in the midgets. Good start to the year for them. We'll see them as they get back up in the spring here with USAC. Uh, the sprint cars are getting ready to begin their season. Dylan Welch. We already saw Paul Neenheiser and Chase Stockin um, did a test session, and then we had practice yesterday. Hopefully, the rain holds off for Friday, Saturday, and you know, and, and the racing down there for the Winter Dirt Games. But it, the forecast is not looking great right now. Yeah, it doesn't uh, doesn't look great. But like we said, it's you know Florida, so it could get a you know gust of wind and blow it off course, you know, a mile or right. two, and that would be be all you need. So fingers crossed. That's accurate. Practice times. Um, there were some, some guys that are at the top of the charts that are very fast. Um, it's going to be a tremendous field of sprint cars. 44 signed in for practice night, Dylan. Do you remember having 44 sprint cars in Florida? No, I mean, it's, I think it's the, the highest car count ever. You know, I mean, it's, um, and, you know, again, I think speaks to the strength of, of USAC across the board right now. You know, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's been a, been a long time coming, you know, for them to kind of return to this, you know, this level of, of competitiveness and, and prominence, you know, and it's like, it's kind of funny, you know, the sprint car deal for a while was, was kind of the bread and butter, um, you know, and, and now I think it's kind of the midgets, honestly, I think the midgets are the, are the races you want to go to and you want to watch and, um, and, and this, and the car counts are up there and, and the sprint car, car counts are obviously up too, you know, and it's, it's going to be just as competitive because you've got, you know, a great group of guys are turning there that are going to be in, in competitive stuff and um, some new faces as well that are kind of, you know, making some appearances, you know, throughout the year. So, um, you know, and then obviously the Silver Crown Series, you know, continues to, to just be exceptional. So, um, you know, I love it, you know, as a, as a non-wing fan, I and mean, I think it's, um, you know, it's a great time to be one of those because you've got three three series that are, are going to deliver, you know, every single night, you know, with some some really great stories and, you know, some great racing, hopefully, too. In practice, Brody Hayward, uh, 19 car of Chris Windham was the fastest with a 13.984. He was the only driver in the 13 second bracket uh, in the sprint car practice. Uh, Bacon, Grant, Thomas, and Buddy Kofoid, who's driving for Chris Dyson, um, he's he's your top five. That's your top five fastest in practice. Um, Briggs Danner, do you know who Briggs Danner is, Dylan Welch? I don't. The 5G. 
uh, driving for Gallagher, I guess. Um, he is eighth. He was eighth in practice out of 44 cars, which we'll have to see what happens there. Paul Nienheiser, first year on the tour at USAC, he was ninth quickest, and Tanner Thorson was tenth in the Reinbold Underwood um, machine of 19AZ with, with Rizzi. So we'll see what happens with the sprint cars. It's going to be a tremendous field. USAC kicking off things at Ocala, Florida uh, to begin the year, and then we'll come back up here and race in April probably. I mentioned the All-Stars. Donnie Schatz won at Screven. Um, we can go through some more of the wing results. Aaron, Aaron Reitzel won the second night at Screven. Uh, Donnie Schatz, all-star East Bay win, so two year, two wins to begin the year for him. Then they went to Volusia, and Logan Schuhart won. Um, just a tremendous, tremendous start to his um, year. I, I don't even think he finished off the podium first off. I'm pretty sure he finished second or better in all of the all-star and uh, World of Outlaws races which is just tremendous. Carson Macedo won the second night with, at Volusia with the All-Stars. Um, and then, of course, the World of Outlaws, Brad Sweet, Logan Shuhart won. Who's your hat shake? Busy, busy week already, and we're just kind of recapping it. I was going to give one to Timez, not necessarily even for his win, but uh, just for being a, a quote machine and continuously being the best interview in dirt racing. Um, you know, he's talking in victory lane about, you know, these lap cars getting in the way and how they're not, they, you know, they can't win the race, but they're racing like they're trying to win the race, you know, and just, um, I love it. You know, a, a happy team as and a winning team as is, uh, is fun because he gets confident and he's not afraid to, you know, not, he's never afraid to say what's on his mind, but it, it's, it's more fun when he's, he's winning and he's happy and he's really not afraid to just say whatever he wants. So I love it. I hope he keeps winning. He's an extremely valuable character being added to the tour. He actually hasn't been full time with USAC in a while, right? Like we've we've we saw him a couple times, race sprint cars full time. Um, now he's on the midget tour full time and a contender, and likely going to win a lot of races this year and maybe contend for his first USAC championship, which would be tremendous. The party would be insane. And you mentioned, I'm at this point. I'm just I created a piece called Timez Time, and whenever we go to the racetrack, I'm just going to sit with him and talk with him like about six minutes. Uh, or longer, and just let him say whatever the hell he wants. If he wants to sell T-shirts, if he wants to talk about his kids, if he wants to talk about drifting in the parking lot on the way there, whatever he wants to talk about, right? he can he can talk about anything he wants. Team has time, and that's the reason because he is a click machine. He 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 did a piece for us at the Chili Bowl, the pit walk, one of our best pieces of the week, easily. Um, he walked up, talked to Caitlin Sweet, talked to random people, Jerome Rodella. Um, I think he was walked into CJ Leary's trailer with Alex Bowman. I mean, he had a lot of fun. He has a lot of fun, and he's going to have a lot of fun all year long with us on the midgets. Um, my hat shake. Wow. Who am I going to give my hat shake to? Uh, that team has one is really, really good. Um, <sighs> I didn't, see, I have to do two because I forgot to do one last week, didn't I? No, you did, yeah. Man, I, I it seems like I give – sunshine a lot of credit for you know i have been giving him a lot of hat shakes and rightfully so he's been really good in the wing car that's kind of one of the, the guys that uh, pops into my mind i think logan shuhart deserves some credit right he went from you know a mid-packer with the world of outlaws four to five years ago and now is a legitimate championship contender and a guy who really could race his way into a championship this year with how much speed they have in those cars um 
I, I, he, they were good last year. He finished second in points. They might be better this year. They are tremendous right now, and it's going to be excited to see what they can do at some of these weird racetracks that they haven't raced a lot at. That's where Shots and Sweet beat you, right? They have years of notebooks at all of these race, you know, some of these racetracks that they've gone to, and Donnie has raced ten races this year already. Like he raced the Wild Wing Shootout. He he raced um, all the races with the All Stars, and that's another gripe that I have. This that's a non hat shake. Why the heck are the World of Outlaws scheduling a test and tune session the night of an all-star race? Like, seriously? And why are guys going to that? Why is Danny Dietrich going to a test and tune session at Volusia and not going to an all-star race? That's beyond yeah, me. But right? I, I don't get that either. That's just – that's petty, right? It is, petty. it is petty. Yeah, it is petty. Um, Go race. Do what Donnie Schatz did. Donnie Schatz is your champion for a reason because he's trying to get better at different racetracks, right? That's the challenge of winning an outlaw championship. Going to a racetrack you've never been to for the first time and getting fast like that. Getting You get two hot lap, laps, right? You get two laps in practice. Then you get a qualifying lap. Then you get heat races for the track you've never been to the first time. That's where Donnie Schatz beats you. That's where he wins. And that's why he's going to be the champion this year. That's my prediction right now because he didn't go to that test of tune at Volusia. Excuse me. Yes. Sorry. I had to get on my rampage. No. You were uh, you were on your soapbox, and I'm here for it. So I'm, uh, but I don't disagree. You know, it's uh, racers race. You know, and and you know that's the best way to learn and get better is is by racing, not going out there and running around laps by yourself. So there's my hat. There's my first hat shake. Donnie Schatz not going to the Test and Tune of Lucia and racing all of the All-Star races. He has 10 races already. He has six more than Brad Sweet, six more than Logan Juhart. He has a lot more time with those brand-new motors that they just built and have been evolving and, and getting that team better. They're going to win a lot of races this year. I think Donnie Schatz is going to have a great shot to win a championship again this year. He always does. Make it 11. I'm, I'm putting that in the books right now. Uh, hat shake to right. Donnie Schatz. My second hat shake is going to Kyle Strickler. And I'll tell you why, Dylan Welch. Kyle Strickler is a late model driver. He gets talked about a lot on Dirt on Dirt. He's also a modified driver as well. He races UMP modifieds at Felucia. Strickler cut nearly cut his finger off, right? We have he seen did. this. We have seen part it of it in the past. Close. It was nearly amputated, right? Gotcha. Close to being amputated. That day, went to the hospital emergency room, looks at timing and scoring, Gets it all patched up, whatever. Looks at timing and scoring. Oh, they haven't even begun heat races yet. I can make it out for the B main. Gets to the B main. Wants to ch to 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 um, shake down a brand new Longhorn chassis that they have in the modifieds. I'm going out there in the B main. I'm going out there. My finger. I don't care, right? I do not care. I almost lost my finger. I'm going out there. I'm shaking the car down. Goes from the B main. Gets to the front. Transfers. Gets into the feature. Finishes third in the feature nearly missing a finger <laughs> Kyle Strickler is a badass <laughs> yeah that's about as that's about as gangster as it gets right there <laughs> y'all are crazy race car drivers are crazy what is wrong with some of these people but Kyle Strickler hat shake to you my friend um putting limbs and your body parts you know behind your passion for being faster on the racetrack and, and wanting to win races, that's just crazy. But incredible. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. Hat shake to Kyle Strickler. And, uh, yes, I went, I, I went out of the sprint car world. I'm sorry to uh, get my hat shake this week.
That's all right. They they deserve it sometimes too. Doug Clark is next. Let's chat with him. One of the most famous flagmen ever in sprint car racing. He has been inducted into the Sprint Car Hall of Fame in 2016. He's next on the Loud Pedal Podcast on Flow Racing. Welcome back to the Loud Pedal Podcast here on Flow Racing. We are be delighted to be joined from South Dakota, I guess Sioux Falls, South Dakota, uh, with Hall of Famer, Sprint Car Hall of Famer, Doug Clark. Doug, how are you? Uh, thanks for joining us. I'm doing good as long as I stay inside where it's warm. It's not bad. It's below zero here. I know that. So. <laughs> we, can, we can hear the ocean in the background. Uh, Dylan is somewhere warm. He's in Daytona. Uh, Beach, Florida. Uh, D. Welch. It looks nice down there. It is. It's. Uh, it's at least. It's warm. Probably warmer than where Doug is for sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm in Michigan. It's quite cold up here as well. So, well, thanks for joining us. And and we just we're excited to talk to you. We want to get to know a little bit more about you and your career um, because, as I mentioned, you know, you went into the Sprint Car Hall of Fame class in 2016. Um, I guess first off, we could just start there. How, what did that mean to you uh, to to be entered into the Sprint Car Hall of Fame? You know, as a, a, a track official and someone who you know flew flags for a long time. Uh, what did that mean to you? It it meant a lot to me, uh, and I had a lot of my friends there from Sioux Falls down there, and uh, just to see that I'm part of the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame, and the guys that are in there are just amazing and. Uh, one of my biggest things, I was happy to, you know, get in there. Uh, Real Capitani was there when I was getting inducted, and that was uh, my top priority guy right there because I, I really love him missing right now. So, so. How did you get involved in the sport? What was your, I mean, what was your first, you know, gig or, you know, how how did you kind of get the bug? Well, back when I was a kid, I don't know, I was probably 11 or 12 or something like that, there was a guy had a, back then it's called a modified uh Open wheel modified at the race for Jackson. His name was Daryl Dolly, and uh, I and my friend Butch Yezza would go down there and sit across the street and just watch her run. Well, then I, I started helping another guy from by the name of Bill Hill from California. And uh, that was like when I was 15, 16 years old, and then going from there. And then the uh, Wolf came had a race car, helped him a little bit. Then I went back to helping Daryl Dolly work on his sprint cars. Uh, we used to race out the Hartford Speedway, and I got tired of working on the race cars a lot. And a guy by the name of Dean Wilson used to be the flag man there at Hartford Speedway, and he decided he was going to retire. So I was tired of working on the race cars. I asked uh, Don Marquardt if he'd give me a try at it. And uh, there's another guy there, Larry Johnson. We had to switch off uh, every, every other week. Larry would do it one week, and I'd do it the next week. And the guys that were running the racetrack and the guys that owned it, they noticed that uh, I took a lot of interest in it, and I liked the job. And after that, I just kind of kept going. And then there was a couple of years I was down there watching the great Knoxville Nationals, and I went up to Cappy, and I said, Cappy, how about uh, you had a mystery race going on? How about a, a mystery flag man? And 
I just happened to have my flags in the trunk of my car. And he says, it sounds like a damn good idea, Doug. Go ahead. You can do it. And I think it was on uh, Friday nights when they had the mystery race. So I did those for two years in a row. And then uh, there was a winter, Cappy called me up on the phone and asked me if I wanted to have a full-time employment down there and stuff. And I said, sure. I, had, uh, I was already talking to Jackson, Minnesota about flagging over there for them. So I had to ask Cappy if he had to wait till I checked with uh, Jackson to see what they said. Job. Yeah, and, and, and you mentioned Cappy, Ralph Capitani, the longtime promoter at Knoxville. Um, they have the race named after him. Um, you, and, and this is how I remember you as a little kid, large flags, very, very large flags, like bigger than everyone else in the country. And, and I thought that was super cool. Um, I feel like I would throw my rotator cuff out waving that big of a bed sheet. No. No, you let the you let the flags do the work itself. The, they're only uh, three foot by three foot, so and they're I I special order them. And I find the lightest material, you know, to make the flags out of. So you let the wind and the race cars do the waving for you. I know you explained. I mean, how you how you know how you got your first gig, but what about flagging was interesting to you? What what was the draw? Why did you like it? Uh, I'm not really sure because uh, I know uh, at the end, you know, or not the end, but uh, after the first couple of years, the amount of money that I was getting paid was really good and stuff. And I'd shoot a price at them and they said, okay, you know, all the tracks that I do and stuff. And, uh, I'd say the money part was pretty good. And then just being, you know, being part of the racing was uh, the majority part of the deal. And stuff. So that's, they kind of go hand in hand. Forgive me, but nowadays um, saying that you were born in the 50s is a a compliment, right? You know, with everything going on in the world. Um, Who were your heroes back then? Who were were the heroes at the racetrack locally for you? Uh, In Sioux Falls, uh, the big guy was uh, Harold Petrie, my brother Jim. He worked on that car a lot and stuff. And then there's uh, another guy by the name of uh, Roger Larson, which he got killed out in Knoxville. my brother worked on his car, so I kind of I really like Roger as a race car driver and stuff. So I kind of looked up to him a lot. So far as racers around here, uh, back when I was a kid, we didn't have that many race cars around here type of thing. So you had to kind of pick who you wanted and hang out with who you wanted to. Do you have a, a race that sticks out of, of all the ones that you've done that you know you particularly enjoyed working or, or one that stands out? Uh, it wasn't, it was a challenge, it's like a challenge race. That had to be the one where uh, Wolfgang and Kinzer and Swindell were down in Knoxville and they had that uh, challenge race. Uh, I don't know what they call it, the King of Hill or whatever, but it was like three races and whoever took the majority of the races won. I can't remember how many dollars it was. That was, that was a good one. Just the three of them, they were three wide and, and had to start them equally or something like that. So it was, that was one that sticks out in my mind the most. You mentioned some you mentioned some heavy hitters in that race. Uh, you, you also mentioned you worked on Doug Wolfgang's car. Uh, a lot of people would have Doug Wolfgang on their Mount Rushmore of race car drivers, uh, specifically sprint car drivers. What does your Mount Rushmore of sprint car drivers look like? Four, your top four. Uh, I, I, I've never really thought of nothing like that before. So, so I'd have to go with uh, AJ Foy, Tony Stewart, Wolfgang, and. Uh, I can't think of who else would be up there. Most of the top three, it 
the reason I like those three guys the most because, I mean, uh, they're going to tell you something. They're going to tell you right off the hip. And they're going to be straightforward. If, if they don't like something, you know, they're going to let you know it. I suppose the other one would be uh, Jack Hewitt would be a good one. And all four of those guys, they let you know what's on their mind. Were you were you only flagging dirt races, Doug, or did you ever did you ever do anything besides dirt track stuff? I did uh, one asphalt race when they raced down at uh, Lakeside Speedway when that track was asphalt. I did that. I was on my way down there to flag that race is when Wolfgang. South Dakota and the Dakotas is kind of a hotbed of sprint car racing, right? I mean, Donnie Schatz comes from Fargo, North Dakota. There's a lot of good race car drivers that come from that area. Yeah, there is. Uh, you know, Shots is a good one. Uh, back in the day, you know, the uh, big wheel was uh, Don Mack from up in North Dakota. He, he went asphalt and dirt and won quite a few races. Uh, Earl Dolly, he, he did quite a few races. He used to go up to uh, Minneapolis-St. Paul. That was an asphalt track up there back in the mod IMC modified days. So we raced up there on the asphalt up there. Uh, there's, and, you know, of course, there's Wolfgang. You know, he's the top of it, but all the Max up there in North Dakota and, and Donnie shots, you know, there's some, then there's uh, Hank Elbert, or not Hank Elbert's, uh, I can't remember, and there's another guy from North Dakota, he was a good shoot too. But, uh, when you start getting old, you, you lose your memory of, of names and things. Is there, is there ways for you to still be involved in the sport or, or what's, you know, what's retired life like for you now? Uh, actually, I'm still working at the I work at Knoxville, I run, um, of the corner guy down to turn three and then uh they just asked me this year up here in sioux falls to work out to houston's so i'll be working on the infield down to turn one down there that way <coughs> excuse me I'm, I'm still part of the racing program and things and i'm still involved with it and i just don't you know now you know i just don't sit around and drink miller light all day long so i have to kind of be responsible yeah yes i'm a miller light guy that's that's one of the big arguments on this podcast. Miller Lite, Bush Lite, uh, Dylan Welsh hates Miller Lite. I love Miller Lite. It's the best. Um, your son, your son, the, the family tradition has passed down to the flag stand at Knoxville. He now is, you know, the lead flagman at the Knoxville Raceway. What does that mean to you? I mean, he's worked he's worked with you for a long time, right? You guys have done this together, and he's he kind of passed the torch to him? Yeah, Justin, I think Justin's been with me for, I think, 13 years, somewhere in that area. Uh, so it, it was pretty easy to step away, and uh, the, the racers and the people, I think, down there already, already have a lot of respect for him. Uh, Justin's one of those type of guys, he don't take a bunch of BS from people, and uh, he'll tell you what's on his mind, too. So he's, he's like a short little pack of dynamite ready to go off. The sport really grew over your career, right? So in the 90s, it got really, really big in sprint car racing. Um I guess, how do you look at the evolution of sprint car racing from when you started to now with all the technology that's in it and such good race car drivers and the outlaw tour is probably as strong as it's been in a long, long time? Well, I, I kind of, I'm still kind of old school. I remember back in the days when we used to have all the side panels on the race cars and all the Zeus screws and the upholstery was nice, you know, rolling tuck uh, leather inside it. And you'd have to take that out just to wash the race car and, wouldn't get a lot of, you know, water on that. So, I mean, nowadays they got everything so enclosed, the, the fans, you know, they can't really see the drivers, how they're working the wheel inside the car. So back in the old days, 
you know, you used to have, you know, the hood would only come back to the front row of our cage, more or less, and you could see guys. And uh, I remember back up in uh, North Star, Minneapolis, that place was such a rock garden that uh, the race car drivers, they would uh, tape cardboard to their, uh, their muscle arms or their forearms and stuff like that just because their right arms were getting beat up so bad and with the rocks and stuff and come through a rock screen and all that kind of stuff. So that's, that's kind of the racing I miss the most, you know, all these uh, side panels and all that kind of stuff that they have on the cars. They say it's for decals and stuff like that, but that just kind of took away uh, a lot of the presentation of the race sprint cars, in my, my opinion. I completely agree. And now the midgets are even getting uh, yeah. block boxed in and stuff. I mean, back in the old days, I mean, guys like uh, Mel Kenyon and those guys, I mean, they used to get in there and just saw on the wheel. And you could watch it, and the left front would be up in the air, and they'd just be going at it, you know, with tearing the chair off side and off and, and one hand on the wheel going at it. So that's, that's funny because Dylan says he completely agrees, which is crazy because he's a race car driver. I'm like, I, I like the fact that the safety has evolved. Hey, it's only, it's only 10 in the morning where you're at. I mean, that's, my rule is that's sun comes up, sun comes up, it's it's game on, right? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but the safety of racing has obviously evolved. And be, let's face it, being a flagman is dangerous, right? I mean, there's cars 140 mile an hour coming down the front stretch. Any of them could ride a wheel and take off at any moment. Those things fly like crazy with wings on top of them. Have you ever had a ridiculous close call up there at the, on the flag stand? Yeah, there I can't remember the driver's name or the car number. I remember one time there was they started tumbling coming down the front straightaway and I'm reaching back for the the red flag and just as I start reaching over the, the flag stand to wave it, the car is bouncing off the front of the flag stand and so I had to back up a couple of steps and uh, kinda of let him, you know, ricochet off the front of the flag stand. That's one tough flag stand down in Knoxville, so I'm I'm happy on that one. And then there was a time when Justin was up there flagging and the side panel came off. I'm assisting Justin and I'm, you know, turning around and getting double checked for him. And uh, next thing you know, he's laying at my feet and I didn't know what happened. I said, what the hell are you doing down there, you know? So and, uh, he was knocked out from a side panel on the wing that came up and uh, hit him in the side of the head. So, uh, yeah, he ended up having a, a cracked jaw, the dentist told him, so. Other than that, it's it's fun up there. It's you know a little dirty, but it's fun. You were talking about the the you know good old days, and uh, I don't know you know exactly what the history you know of, of flagging is like. But did you ever flag from the racetrack, or have you always been in a stand? <laughs> I, I they had, and that's funny you asked that. I did. Uh, they had a uh, what's the, the old cars, old timer guys, and like nostalgia cars. They had those out the Houston Speedway. And uh, somebody said, well, you know, back in the old days, Doug, they used to flag from the track. Why don't you do that? And I was fairly young back then and stuff. And I said, well, hell, I can do that. So I get down to my flags and I jump up, you know, like they used to do, you know, start come down and landed wrong on my ankle. And that was the last time I've ever been on a dirt track flagging from the <laughs> ground. So that hurt. Yeah, I'm still paying for it today. So I'll never forget that time. 
it's i mean you've had you've had injuries from flag racing too right like uh maybe like parts and pieces flying at you yeah there was uh that time down at uh, knoxville iowa was a world of all our race i didn't see it laying on the track for one of the officials he said well, i saw something laying out there but i didn't think it was nothing well we had like two laps to go in the race or maybe three and this thing came up and hit me in the hand i didn't know what it was so i just kept the race going and then after the race was done, I looked down at my hand. Hell, I had blood on, on the side of my hand from a piece of pipe coming up, hitting there, tubing, hitting me in the hand. That's uh, that's the only time I ever had to have stitches put in my hand and stuff. But other than that, it's, it's fairly good. And, you know, other than the dirt and rocks and dirt closet, it's, it's kind of fun to say. <laughs> so your connection to Wolfgang, how did that start? How did you meet him? How did you end up hanging out with him? Uh, it would have to be started in grade school, then uh, junior high and in high school. We grew up together, so we're both the, we're both the same age and stuff. So we all hung out in the neighborhood, raced bicycles together and wagons together. And so that's basically. And then Wolfgang uh, had this old beater car. A while back when we was kids in high school, so crazy Wolfgang, he he had a '55 or '56 Chevy. And we had, to, there's a river that goes through Sioux Falls. It's called the Falls Park. And it had all kinds of winding curves in there in the wintertime. Wolfgang had that baby down handle. He was, he was whipping through there and everything and stuff. And that's kind of how he got his racing started. I mean, he, he was crazy back then, too. And so he, he had her handled in pretty good. We used to all just hang out together. And Wolfgang was crazy back when we was kids and teenagers. So he... He was a lot of fun. He's always getting us all in trouble and things. So he's uh, he's quite the character. But that's uh, how we used to hang out and we'd you know do uh, stay out in tents all night and different goofy stuff like that. But Wolfgang was a good guy, and we that's how I ended up hanging out with him and stuff. And there was another deal, Wolfgang. You know, talking about him, where very well back in the day we used to like tear our, our own engines down and get them cleaned up so we take them to the machine shop. Well. Daryl went racing down to Nashville with another couple of guys and stuff. Wolfgang and I were back in his shop, I think, getting them modified. But he used to, he used to wash the engine or yeah, wash the engines up with the uh, lacquer thinner. But Wolfgang tipped over a five-gallon bucket of lacquer thinner, and he didn't think nothing about it. He thought he'd be funny and light, light a rag on fire. Well, when he lit this rag on fire, he forgot his shoes were all in that lacquer thinner. Next thing you know, he's on fire. He kicks his rag at Daryl's daughter. The rag lands on her thigh. She gets a burn out of that. Wilkins burned both of his feet. And uh, we go to Knoxville the following week or whatever. And uh, Wilkins riding in the back of the pickup because his feet hurt so damn bad from him being burnt and stuff. So it, that was one of those crazy deals, Wilkins. He didn't believe that that lack of tenor would start on fire, but he knows now. <laughs> <laughs> I was reading, and, and you could confirm this is, if this is true. Was there an opportunity that you almost came close to achieving uh, with the NASCAR Truck Series when it first was created in the 90s? Yeah, because I was, uh, I can't remember who I, I talked to or sent resumes down to Charlotte down there talking to the guys. And, it, it, you know, they were really interested in me. And then uh, I can't remember the guy that was flagging there. He decided he was going to keep going another year or something like that. So that was uh, the year, the following year, or the year before that, they had, that's when they had the Slick 50 out there in Arizona, and they are talking about the truck deal starting up and stuff, so they might have to be interested in that. And 
I was close, but not close enough, I guess. So. That's that's amazing. That does that Miller Lite taste good? Because I think I'm getting ready to go get me yeah. one too. Yes, it does. <laughs> 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 I've been trying to here quite a bit. I've been trying to lose some weight, so just kind of <laughs> one or two a day, you know, something like that. I was also I was reading um, your your Hall of Fame bio because I think Rob and the guys who wrote those things over the years done a really really good job. Uh, and and Capitani had some amazing quotes in there about you. Um, you know, saying like flagmen don't grow on trees, good flagmen don't grow on trees, you know, they're hard to come by. And when you find one, it, it means a lot. Like, how much did you respect Ralph Capitani? Uh, probably about 125%. He, uh, Cappy was one of those type of guys, you know, you'd say something to him and he'd listen to what you say and he wouldn't say nothing right away, but he'd think about it. And then he'd come back and answer you or give you an answer right then. But he, he had one of those looks like, did I just say the wrong thing or what? You know, because Gabby just kind of sit there and stare at you and give me one of those looks and say, uh, did you really just ask me that stupid question? You know, that type of deal. <laughs> yeah. And and also in the piece, too, and and it's it's an amazing piece, by the way. You, you have to go read it. Uh, I'm getting it right from the Knoxville Raceway website. Um, it talks about you being an African-American official in a white man's sport and the challenges of that. Um, I, to me, there should be no challenges, right? Because when you get into a sport of auto racing, we all love racing. It's it's the exact same thing. But there probably has been challenges over the years, though. Oh yeah, when I when I first started down in Knoxville, it was uh, I was starting to think my first name started with an N. You know, that's how bad I got criticized down there. But after you know the first couple of months of flagging down there, and the people started realizing that. I didn't really give a damn what they said type of thing. They started uh, learning my style of flagging. Cause I'd, I'd, I'd do the driver's meeting down there and I'd tell them, hey, you know, I'll, I'll talk to whoever, I'll talk to the driver, I'll talk to the owner. One person I will not talk to is a drunk, uh, the wife coming out of the grandstands or somebody coming out of the grandstands wanting to yell and scream at me. I told the guy, I tell him at the driver's meeting, I said, you talk to me like a man, I'll talk to you like a man. But you start cussing and screaming at me, I'll walk away from it in a heartbeat. So that's kind of how, how I kind of made the mod down. And uh, another thing that Cappy liked about me is I was consistent. And Harold Baldus, he told me once, he says, I don't give a damn, because I can't remember the year when I did the King's Royal up there. I don't, care, I don't give a damn if you screw up in the first race, you better screw up in the last race. So just do the same <laughs> thing you do the whole day type of thing. But Harold Baldus was a character. He's absolutely amazing. Um, and, and the fact of the matter is you demanded respect, right? Because if if they wanted, get, wanted respect, then you wanted respect. And I think that's what's important in a flagman and a crew official, I didn't, you know, of course. I, I didn't demand it. I just, you know, I just, like they say, you earn respect. So uh, it kind of went hand in hand with me type of deal where I didn't really demand it. I just, I just did my job and I knew uh, – I knew Cappy wanted it that way. The guys up here in Sioux Falls that have the racetrack, they wanted it that way. And and I just did my job, basically. Is it also true that you only have one eye? <laughs> but neither <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, I have one. I'm blind in my left eye. I lost that back when I was I used to work in a welding shop and I was digging some rose bushes out for a lady. 
that her husband will be and I just uh, helped me, helping her out. So she wanted me to dig these rose bushes out. And I had one, what we call back in South Dakota, we call the potato fork, but it's one of those uh, forks with uh, four prongs on it. And uh, I was putting pressure on the handle of a brand new uh, fork and, and it broke off right at the end of the shank there or whatever. And uh, the handle broke, came up and hit me in the corner of my eye. So yeah, I'm buying one of I can probably see more than what people with two eyes have, so I don't know. That's that's true. <laughs> you can, I mean, you can see you just know, as good with one eye. Person, <laughs> this is what another light does. It relaxes me. I mean, when I mean, when you go hunting or something, right? Like you only look into a, a, a hunting scope with one eye. You don't need one, the other eye, right? True, but I still close the eye to the aim and stuff. I used to do a lot of big game hunting and stuff. So. I kind of gave that up when I, my feet started getting sore and hurting. And, but it, it just got too expensive to go hunting around there. This country anymore, so. Yeah. So when, obviously, when you stop working your last race, which who knows when that's going to be. I mean, you probably you know, don't want to ever get out of racing. Um, what do you want your legacy to be? Is it, is it your son who's in the flag stand now at Knoxville? What What is Doug Clark's legacy in sprint car racing? Yeah, you're like, no, I don't know. <laughs> I never really thought about something like that. So I don't know. I can't I can't really answer that. Just uh, I just hope people remember me uh, that I was a fairly decent flag man and I was I'm I'm still working on trying to find out if I was the first and only black flag in the United States. But I've asked a lot of, you know, the old time racers that have been around the country, you know, have they ever had a black flag man in the flag stand and stuff like that and 99% of them would say no, and, and I, especially when we got the, the late model guys out in Knoxville, a lot of those guys are from down south, I'll ask them, and uh, it's just one of those deals I'd like to really find out if uh, if I was the person, the only one. I know I'm not the only one anymore, because there's a guy down in, uh, he does Bubba Speedway, I, can't, I don't know his name for sure, but he's a black guy down there. We got Justin up here, but it's, uh, you know, I think you have definitely. We appreciate you so much coming on. That Miller Lite looks tremendous. I cannot wait to get some of that uh, here soon. I'm supposed to be working today, but you never know. Uh, thanks so yeah. much for coming on, Doug. It was enjoyable to talk to you, and we think your career was incredible. And thanks so much for everything you've done for the sport. Oh, yeah. I'm just happy to do what I can do for him. So. Doug Clark, everyone, the 2016 Sprint Car Hall of Famer inducted into the Sprint Car Hall of Fame. Longtime flagman for the Knoxville Raceway. He also works at Cusets. He's now working in a corner where his son, Justin, is has now taken over the flag stand at Knoxville Raceway. Great interview, Dylan Welch. I love that he's a Miller Lite guy, to be honest. Yeah, I bet you do. You guys can, you guys can keep it. You guys can have it. Milwaukee sewer water, as I like to call it. <laughs> All right, so so turn your camera around here. Show me where you're at. Are you in Daytona? Yeah. Is it is, I don't it, is, know. The, is the fog is the fog uh, getting a little bit better here? Sorry if you're listening to uh, this on the podcast app. Um, let's see. Apologize for not being this. able to see it. There we go. Oh boy, that's, a, that's the view from the room. Uh, it's that's a little the Atlantic. Foggy. Yeah, there she is. Um, are you like the highest uh, one on the the building? Are you the highest top floor? Uh, I think there's one above me. I'm I'm up here though. 
the penthouse, the penthouse suite. Yeah. Yeah. The old residence in. I saw Alex Hayden has like the, the front stretch, right? He's, he's got the, the view out the back with the suite and everything. He yeah, must well, be big have, time. You know, they, the booth guys, you know, they get that. The, the rest of us, the peons have a parking lot view. So <laughs> I bet you Frank Beers has a front, uh, a front view. No, he's probably not even down there, yeah, is he? Front. No, Beers isn't here. <laughs> By the way, when I mentioned the podcast app and you being able to listen to this podcast on the podcast app, which why would you not watch this thing? I mean, you get to see Doug Clark in the interview. You get to see Dylan Welch's balcony here at Daytona Beach. Well, guess what? We are announcing this week, and we have made the decision. Our podcasts are going free. You can now watch them free on flowracing.com. We are not putting them behind the paywall any longer. Same with Anderson 410. Our podcasts are going free, Dylan. How cool is that? All right. That's big news. That's awesome. Yes. We are breaking our own news here on the podcast that the Loud Pedal Podcast is now flee- uh, is now free on Flow Racing. So if you're listening to this, you need to get a subscription. What's wrong with you? Or do you have a sickness? Because, and I say this a lot, it's so cheap. Like, just don't go to McDonald's three or four times, right? And you can get a thousand races in a year. Like, come on. There's a thousand races. There's dirt bikes. There's snow, snowmobile cross. If you don't like any of that stuff, that's fine. Best sprint car races in the world. Best midget races in the world. Best, you know, late model races. We got the we got the dream. We got the world 100. I mean, come on. You got the chili bowl. We got everything you need. Get a subscription. But yes, if you can't for some reason afford a subscription, our podcasts are now free on the flowracing.com and flow racing app. Um, enjoy uh, Daytona Beach, Dylan Welch. Uh, the duels are happening tonight. Who, who should I put my money on? Boy, I don't know. Um, the The Chevys look pretty good, but so do the Toyotas. So I think, you know, who knows? Michael Jordan didn't lose very much uh, back in his day. Maybe maybe the 23? Yeah, Bubba's looked really good. He's been, uh, I think he qualified fourth um, and has, has been super strong. So, um, you know, those guys, will, those guys will be tough this week. He has... Um, well, Jordan didn't lose very many championships when we got there, uh, unlike LeBron. But um, I am a, I actually that's that's a bad shot at LeBron because I am a LeBron fan. Used them a LeBron homer, uh, you know the Ohio guy. But um, neither here nor there. He did lose a, he did lose a lot of championships the ones he got into. But hopefully he he chases down Jordan. But yes, I think I'm gonna put my money on the 23 starting fourth. That's a that'd be a good pick. He's got a lot of Toyota help with the Gibbs cars, and. Uh, they're going to be in a pack, I think, all day long. Yep, I think so, too. USAC races tonight and tomorrow. Is that right? Thursday, they race yep. Thursday, Friday, Thursday through Saturday. Saturday. Thursday through Thursday, Saturday. Thursday, Friday, Saturday. On flow and the flow racing app, watch the winter dirt games. 44 sprint cars in practice. It's going to be a tremendous time. Check it out tonight on the app. This has been episode 22 of the Loud Pedal Podcast on Flow Racing.